0: Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast, episode number 64 coming up, and we are joined by Paul Sonnefeld. Paul actually reached out to me when I asked a question on LinkedIn, and the question was, is it worth selling on eBay as a small business? And Paul reached out. We had a great chat offline and I asked him, can he uh, come on this podcast and share his knowledge, which he has done. And this is just a fantastic episode where he discusses the online marketplaces that exist in Australia. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Paul is the CEO and co-founder of Merchant Spring. So enjoy learning and let me know what you think. Also, huge shout out to our main sponsor, Huff and Puff, who are just helping us keep this podcast going. Thank you very much, guys. Huff and Puff pork crackle is Australian owned and made right here from 100% real Australian pork. Hand fried and available in a range of flavours, the tasty crunch is hard to resist. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Paul. Uh, Paul Sonnefeld hopefully said that um, correctly. Uh, Whereabouts are you from, Paul, to start with? Um, Where is that surname up, from?
1: It's a Dutch surname. I, I yeah. grew up in Holland and uh, had the privilege of moving to Australia uh, in my late teens. So ah,
0: fan, fantastic. It's a surname well. and,
1: uh, and a slight accent
0: stayed. <laughs> well, hopefully I said it right. But Paul, welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast. Um, I'm looking forward to this episode because I think especially in 2020 with... Uh, the the growth of online. I think you're going to be dropping some crazy knowledge bombs to help uh, a lot of FMCG brands out there. But to start with, I'm with Paul, the managing director of Merchant Spring. Paul, welcome to the show. If you can just introduce yourself and give yourself a summary, that would be absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, try and keep it brief. Um, so. Um, I, I'm the founder or the co founder of Merchant Spring, uh, a business that focuses solely on helping brands uh, make the most out of uh, marketplaces, e commerce marketplaces. Uh, we really have, do that in two ways. Uh, we have our own SaaS technology platform that helps you uh, manage your brands and products across multiple marketplaces simultaneously and, and gives you lots of deep uh, marketing and trading insights. And the second part of our business is a marketplace services business, where we do everything from content production. I'm talking about product content, images, photography, optimization, you know, creating Amazon vendor pages, for example. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as well as you know, managing uh, managing these marketplace accounts on behalf of brands and retailers. Um, so actually partnering with them and um, you know being their outsourced e-commerce manager, so to speak. Um Before I started Merchant Spring, I spent about 10 years uh, in retail, uh, Mm -hmm. most of that at at Coles, running various businesses, everything from bakery to health and beauty to liquor. uh, And I also spent some time at uh, at Catch Group as well.
0: Ah, so a good good overall um, experience of the Australian market.
1: I hope
0: so. So, me and Paul, for everyone who's listening, As most people know, I've set up my own brand. I'm selling dog cookies as a side hustle. And I have just been blown away by a whole new world, such as e-commerce and Amazon and everything that is in between. We're starting a a new brand. And it was probably a couple of weeks ago. And I had set up an eBay account. And I'd probably given it, and I hate doing this. I normally give, if I'm going into something, I normally give it 100%. And I kind of went into eBay, put a few pictures up there, put a description of the products and then left it. And then I was reading up onto it, doing the whole YouTube videos and it was only, and this is how sad I am and you probably uh, probably understand Paul because on Friday night I uh, posted a picture on LinkedIn basically going, is eBay worth it? And that's when, Paul, uh, you reached out and gave gave um, some valuable time to, to basically talk me through different marketplaces and hence why we're here on the podcast. So I just want to start off, Paul, by basically saying, what is a marketplace and what are the marketplaces that, especially in Australia, should people be looking for that's different from your IGAs, Foodworks, Coles and Woolworths, etc.?
1: Yeah, look, uh, great question. Um, so let me sort of start off with a theory, uh, and that is, you know, a marketplace is really just a technology platform with a whole bunch of users on there, an audience, that you as a brand can use uh, to sell your products. It's different to selling to uh, to a retailer, whether it be a physical retailer like, you know, Coles or an online retailer like you know, Temple of Webster, for example. It is different in the sense that as a marketplace seller, you are the retailer, right? So that also means that, um, you know, you are the merchant of records, so the legal responsibility of the sale lies with you. But also, uh, all of a sudden, you're responsible for setting prices, for um, doing all the content related to your products, so actually getting your products listed, um, doing all the marketing activity, whether it be paid advertising or, you know, uh, to, you know visual brochure wear, so to speak, as well as the fulfillment. So, uh, you know, this is often quite a challenge, you know, certainly from brands that are used to mm-hmm. supply just to the retail trade on the wholesale basis and used to, you know, are used to uh, sending large pellets uh, to, you know, to Tragonina, to, yep. to the back of a warehouse somewhere. All of a sudden, uh, you are the retailer and you have to start thinking, acting like an e-commerce retailer. Um, it all sounds, sounds like hard work, right? But what is great about it, there are some benefits about being the retailer. First of all, you decide what range you sell. So no longer you have to negotiate with the category manager about what range going from a range review point of view. Uh, You also decide on all of the pricing and the promotions. So you are in complete control of uh, how, when, and uh, in which way you sell your products. Now, in terms of Australia, uh, there are lots of marketplaces, but for the purpose of this conversation, I'm really talking about e-commerce product marketplaces. So, of course, there are marketplaces for services as well. But yep. I'm talking really about marketplaces that are out there in terms of selling products. About three years ago, um, there were really only two, perhaps three, depending on how you count them. You had eBay, which has been around for over 15 years and is by far the largest marketplace in Australia with almost a, you know, 20 million unique, uh, sorry, about 12 million unique users uh, every month. Yeah, wow. so a fair proportion of australia's uh, shops there and at the time we had iconic which was for fashion and then we had a secondhand marketplace called gumtree in the last two and a half years Australia's seen a, a revolution of marketplace activity so we all know that you know amazon launched uh, and amazon is now very much a sizable number two in terms of uh, volume but still well below uh well below ebay so amazon is about a third the size of eBay when it comes to um, you know visitors and the audience to the site. Interesting. Uh, then we've had catch launch. So catch is number three. Um, much smaller than uh, Amazon, about a third again. Uh, but you know, size isn't everything that matters. By the way, we can talk about that in a sec. Uh, and then we had lots of other people launch their marketplaces. So we've had, Kogan uh, get into the game. MyDeal, uh, Boningtons launches marketplace. Um, the Ascend Group last year launched its marketplace, Maya launched its marketplace, and you know, I know just from speaking to people in the industry, there's probably another three or four retailers will see launch their own marketplace later this year. Yeah, so okay. if you're a brand, all of a sudden you go from having almost very few options to selling your products via marketplaces to all of a sudden being able to choose from at least a dozen. So the landscape has changed quite significantly.
0: That's that's really interesting. It's interesting how eBay has, especially in Australia, just taken a grip of the kind of the consumer and just because it, in the UK eBay was there, but it kind of just slowly died a death. And I, I think people were being let down, whether it was the buyer and the platform itself, and Amazon just came in and swept um, swept up the consumers and bought it. Do you think that Amazon will get to a point where it is competing in the eBay space and potentially could go to number
1: one. I think so, and I think actually it's just a matter of time because Amazon has a number of structural advantages that eBay doesn't have. Namely, uh, they have the whole you know Amazon Prime program, and they have a fulfillment service for you know for for brands to actually look after all of that uh, fulfillment uh, challenge. Uh, that actually is a big strategic lever that eBay cannot easily replicate. Um, the other thing that they have is um, they play much more in the uh, you know product space that is more frequently purchased. You know, uh, as you guys will probably know, I many of your listeners, you know, Amazon has Amazon Pantry here in Australia yep. already. They don't have Amazon Fresh yet, but you know, my view is if you can win at the, the frequent purchase um, occasion, right, such as pantry items and the like. Much easier to win on the infrequent purchases as well, like your air fryers or your electronics. So um, I think they've got a strategic advantage there. Um, It will take time, but in the space of two years, they've already gone from probably being number six to now a really strong number two. So my prediction would be another two to three years and they'll, they'll sort of be neck on neck with eBay.
0: Perfect. Well, let's talk about FMCG brands specifically then, because a large uh, audience here are from that industry and mainly from the food and beverage industry as well. What do they need to consider when you talk about marketplaces? Is there any hints and tips and kind of an overall view of, say, I don't know, um, a new brand that's listening to this? What would they? Where would they start? Yeah. Look, well, the, the
1: first, uh, the first thing I would think. Through is, do you really want to be a marketplace seller, or uh, do you want to sell to marketplaces on a wholesale basis? Right. So, this is not possible with uh, eBay, but when it comes to say Catch of the Day, as well as um, uh, as well as Amazon, you actually have options. You can either sell to Amazon uh, in a traditional you know retail way, that is, you're dealing with category managers mm-hmm. and late place purchase orders, and you send you know B two B type stock to to their warehouse. Uh, But Amazon is a retailer, right? They set the price and do all that. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can go the marketplace model, which is uh, what I described before. One of the key drivers, uh, you know, and by the way, most brands are keen to start on the marketplace model because it allows them to put their toe in the water, to experiment with the platform and and run a little bit of their own race uh, and and maintain control. So a lot of brands would like to start there. Yeah. Um, Before... Before you go down that route, is it's really important to think about the economics of your product, right? So um, there are a number of costs involved in terms of selling on, on marketplaces, um, such as, you know, the commission uh, that the marketplace will charge you, it's so about 10%. You probably spend a little bit on marketing, let's say it's another 5%. Um, but where things get really tough is when it comes to the delivery, the handling, uh, and shipping and delivery. <laughs> um, and the reason this is tough is these tend to be not percentages but these are dollar values. so you know just a rule of thumb it will probably cost you about ten dollars to pick a product and ship it to most places in australia so the first thing you got to think about is when it comes to your range can i do i have products whereby i have enough margin to be able to absorb all of that cost yeah And of course you say to me well can't we just charge for delivery? And yes, you can. But in marketplaces, you know, 80 to 90% of the sales go through products that have free delivery. You know, it's just sort of become starting to become a hygiene factor as such. So you need to think very carefully about the products. Um, do you have enough margin? And if you don't have the margin in a particular, um, say, a single product, is there a way you can bundle products together, maybe through a bundle or a multi-buy, put them together as one skew and try and get to, a, you know, a higher price point. Typically, you want to aim for something like $25 to $30 in mm-hmm. order to satisfy yourself that you can still make money. To me, that's probably the starting point because if you can't tick the box on that, then marketplaces become a lot harder. Yeah. Nah. Uh, if you tick the box on that, then, uh, you know, obviously there's a whole range of marketplaces to consider. And that really depends on your, your you know, what are the customers you're looking for and uh, the, the types of categories that each of these marketplaces is, is stronger in.
0: I think that's I think that's really fascinating because even from my experience by going through Amazon FBA, the the biggest challenge was actually the costing model, to be honest, because there is so many factors involved and you just nailed it on the head there, kind of the the postage, because it's postage to uh Amazon's warehouse, but then you've still got to factor in the, the pick, pack and send um, costs that Amazon then charge you on the flip side when you sell a product. So I, I literally had to, it took me weeks to work out, right, what are the actual true costs involved? And before you know it, you're looking at seven or eight different factors. And this is not to put anyone off. It's just to make sure that people do their homework and actually consider everything because the last thing you want to do is go onto these uh, marketplaces and before you know it you're making a loss and then going oh this is pointless whereas if you just spent a bit of time and got it right from the start and included everything it it, it does make sense for, for me it's cheaper to sell um, through Amazon than it is through my own website because of the, the, the postage costs and the handling so it does has it does does have uh, numerous pros and yeah. one one thing I wanted to touch on and I actually want to uh, spruce your business, uh, Paul. So Merchant Spring because if anyone's on it, go on go on the website. I'll put the link in the the show notes and uh, when we release this. But you mentioned at the start, Paul, that you can add the products onto the marketplace work on the optimization, work on the images. Can you just talk about that kind of process if I was kind of, or if anyone was a newbie and they came to you? Because I've just got a few questions from my experience, and I'm sure you'll be able to help in that.
1: Yeah, sure, sure. Look, the... Um... If you were to come to us, Ben, uh, we typically would have a conversation to try and understand your product and to determine you know what, what marketplaces would be most suitable for you. Uh, you know and to what I said before, part of that is uh, suitability in terms of product but also making sure the audience is incremental right So actually one of the things we didn't speak about before was a lot of times the, there's this notion that you know there's cannibalization that goes on if I sell on my marketplace I'll, I'll take away a sale from my website. Mm. Very rarely, are uh, that's the case, you know, part of the reason where marketplaces are so interesting, um, particularly from a grocery MCG, FMCG point of view, is certainly when it comes to eBay and Amazon, you know, right now they have very little audience overlap with the Coles online and the Woolworths online right now. So it's all about the incrementality in your reach in terms of putting yeah, okay. in front of more customers. So, you know, the first thing is just to really work through that. Um, so let's then say, for argument's sake, you work through, okay, Amazon and eBay and you know, maybe a bit of catch of the day is the right strategy for me. Okay. Um, what we then do is work through with, with you, you know, what is the right product format and combination, you know, and let's say we come up with um, 10 or 20 different SKUs or bundles that we want to sell in these marketplaces. What we then do, we should take those products uh, and, and let's, for argument's sake, if you don't have any photography descriptions, we would do all the... Photography, um, all the uh, copywriting. And then we would take that and turn it into a specific optimized content for different channels. So, yeah. you know, the way, for example, you write an eBay title, the way we do attributes on eBay, the way we do uh, keyword research and embed that into description is completely different to what the way we do it in Amazon. Yeah. Okay. And the reason for that is, is we're trying to trick. Uh, the search algorithms on both of these platforms, in order to get you the best possible organic ranking, mm-hmm. uh, right? So there's a there's quite a big piece there in terms of what we call listing optimization. Uh, you know, and by the way, we're we're very good in terms of just working with existing images and descriptions as well, and just doing that yeah. optimization bit too.
0: I think I think um, that's fantastic because my like I go on Amazon, I log in every night, and I think people have probably got this assumption that. You, you launch and you can kind of leave whereas i believe it's a constant like if, if you can provide all this value which i think is fantastic it took me nearly 12 months to work out everything that you probably could do in a week and because you, you're looking at keywords you're going oh which keywords am i searching which what's the best title and to be honest i don't if you look at my um products, they have different titles across the five SKUs because I don't know which one's the best for optimization. And it's interesting because it's just, for me, it's about making a tweak, leaving it, seeing if there's any knock on effect and making another tweak. Whereas someone like you, so if anyone is listening, um, yes, you can do what I did and do the hard yards and the, uh, and learn from your mistakes. Or oh, I'd highly recommend. Uh, I wish I wish I knew Paul uh, twelve months ago because I think it would be a, a true asset to anyone's marketplace. But to to go back to where I started was you can't launch and leave. I think you've got you've got to spend time on these. Would you say so, Paul?
1: Yeah, you know, look, uh, absolutely. Um, and this is where marketplaces have evolved, right? So if you were selling on eBay um, three, four, five years ago. The typical approach would be: let's say you're running a Magento website or Shopify e-commerce, you would get the off-the-shelf plugin, uh, you plug it into your Shopify store, and uh, you plug the other end into eBay, and you just pump listings, almost like you know the same title, the same content, everything, you just pump it into your eBay store, and that would generate you quite good sales, right? And and that's what I would call like a very passive approach to marketplace management unfortunately that approach due to the level of competition and, and the additional uh, features that all these marketplaces have now rolled out that approach uh, no longer gives you any result or ROI you know and we're finding a lot of clients have spent a lot of money on technical integration but again I'm not getting any result for it uh, and the yeah, reason, right. that is you know if we're strong believers in that and maybe I'm just biased because I spent like so many years in retail but I always feel like you know you need to take a very active approach to, to driving your sales, you know the marketplace is not going to do it for you by itself. Uh-huh. And there's always the great thing about marketplaces. There's always another thing that you can do to drive more sales. It could be, you know, going going over your keywords again. You know, have they uh-huh. changed? You know, let's let's rewrite them better. It could be, can I can I improve my targeting through some of the behind the scenes parameters that you know exist on, say, an Amazon and uh, on the back of an Amazon page? Yep. You could take advantage of. You could say, look, where are my products? That have actually really great conversion, but they have really poor page views, right? So, those are the products that form ideal candidates to perhaps boost them a little bit with um, paid advertising on the platform. Yep, um, so there's you know, there's probably a dozen levers you can pull to trade those marketplaces, but you do have to make a commitment to trade them actively because uh, otherwise, yeah. you'll be disappointed with the results that you'll see.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I, I, for. Knowing uh, that process, I, I 100% agree. And there's since launching that I have actually had a few people reach out going, oh, is it worth it? Like, oh, we think it's just more hassle than it's worth. For those people who are going, oh, it's pointless, let's stick with the retailers. What would you say about that? It, it's because for me, I, I see it as another channel to drive volume, yes, it's it might be cumbersome at the start, but um it, it's learning. It's like learning everything. Like coals are not easy to deal with, but once you get to know their forms and their processes, it becomes a little bit easier. Uh, just like Amazon and eBay, um, yeah. would you agree?
1: Yeah, it, 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 absolutely. But I think uh, the thing that resonates most strongly with me is the piece around incrementality, right? So if mm. you Part of the reason, you know, I sort of came into this understanding the FM2G landscape pretty well, you know, and part of my very strong hypothesis, which I think is true, uh, is that if you're a brand, uh, whether you're selling, uh, you know, pet products or health and beauty, traditionally, you've relied on great relationship and ranging with Coles, Woolworths, Madcash, and, and a few others, okay. right? They're driven the vast majority of your sales. We all know that doing business with supermarkets is getting harder and harder right? Not because they're difficult people to work with, but yeah. just structurally, <laughs> um, you know, supermarkets and, you know, I'm sure the last six months are a slight exception to this, but, but more long-term, um, you know, we're reverting back to like, you know, 1%, 2% or flat growth, Like right? yeah. A flat result is a good result. But within that, you're typically fighting against big range rationalization programs and, you know, uh, the rise of private label. So, you know, if you're a brand owner or, or a product owner, You know, you have a number of products and you're like, well, where am I going to get my growth from in order to hit my budget this year? Unless you've got phenomenal MPD and and you can get a real head up versus your competitors, uh, you need to look elsewhere in order to get that growth. And for me, the logic is very simple around, well, one of the only channels that's out there um, that's really delivering strong growth is e-commerce. But when you lift up the bond and you look at the cylinders and say, what's going on? You actually find that it's marketplaces that are taking a lion's share, you know, up to two thirds of the total value in terms of that uh, e-commerce game. So you have to, you you know, you need to play in that game in order to tap into the streams that are growing the fastest in this market.
0: That's really interesting. And I just want to touch on, because I think people, we we hone in on Australia quite a lot. And I think what, what you do is actually open up global marketplaces, which I don't think a lot of people think about. I know I'm not thinking about it at the moment because of just the size involved. But do you find that when you launch brands and work with brands from a marketplace perspective, it's, it's easier to then move that platform to an overseas kind of opportunity, whether that's in America, Europe, um, or even Asia, closer to home. Is that something that you look at straight away, or is that kind of a, a progression with getting it right in Australia first?
1: I would say generally, yes. It, clearly, there's exceptions to, to everything, but generally, you know, it's important that... Um... You know our clients or the brand owners are, are, have a little bit of base understanding of what marketplaces are and, and how you trade on them. Uh, because mm. Australia is a fairly immature market when it comes to marketplaces, even though we seem to have lots of them. Um, you know, typically our clients will you know launch in Australia first, and then sort of six months later we get the question around can we do Lazada or Shopee uh, in Southeast Asia or. Um, Can we perhaps look at Amazon or Walmart uh, in the US? You know, fairly, very common
0: question.
1: The answer is yes, but, um, you know, that is the big game, right? So the level of competition is much higher um, and your brand is typically not as well known, you know, also probably not known in those markets, which really means that you're starting completely from scratch. And in order to, to make an impact, you have to be prepared to, make a sizable investment and really on two fronts. You know, one, the marketing budgets for overseas marketplaces need to be significantly larger in order to, to really make a, a you know make a dent, get your sales history up, yeah. get a track record. But also what's really hard is you virtually cannot compete on those marketplaces without having local stock in the country, ideally in, in the platform's warehouse. You know, we sort of yeah, okay. have this, this sort of rule within Merchant Spring that if we have any of our clients that want to go on Amazon US, you know, we'll certainly help them, but they have to be prepared to use Amazon FBA in the US. Um, <laughs> without without doing that, you're putting yourself at such a massive disadvantage to all the other sellers on the platform that it's just not worth doing. it. Uh, and of course, a commitment to sending stock uh, overseas is is a big working capital commitment, especially when you don't really want to entertain the idea of having to bring it back to Australia in case it doesn't sell, so um, yeah, very interesting. a bit more risk involved
0: Yeah, well I think, I think the focus is, I think if anyone's listening here and you've got a, a brand that you think Okay, let's drive some additional volume, but also kind of brand awareness. I, I see Amazon as a brand awareness scheme. The more products can go into households, the better. And especially with COVID-19, the more people who are online now is more than it was uh, six months ago. So it's working out these marketplaces. And I'd highly recommend checking out yeah, Merchant Spring because I, honestly, it's, it's a slick platform And when you start getting into it, um, you really can understand why you guys have put everything on one dashboard uh, because the amount of bookmarks I've got from flicking from one to the next. And I just think your knowledge in this space, Paul, is fantastic. So to be honest, I'm glad I posted that post on LinkedIn um, to get opinions because I think I've got some... Uh, fantastic knowledge and I think the, the listeners of the Retail Ready podcast have also got some fantastic knowledge to help them go forward whether it's on their own as a business or whether they can contact yourself um, to get some assistance as well. Fantastic. That's no,
1: great. It's great uh, chatting to you Ben. Yeah. And, um Yeah, good, open <laughs> and frank conversation. Um, we're
0: truly passionate about no, marketplace. appreciate so- it.
1: Any of the listeners um, ha- have any follow-up questions? You know, happy to do a Zoom call. Um, you yeah, just tell them to get in touch with me uh, via LinkedIn or drop me a note. Uh, very happy to talk more.
0: Perfect. So that that's uh, yeah. Do you do you want to just uh, spruce the uh, the website details? Uh, I literally do not have it to hand, but I think yep. it was MerchantSpring.io. Was that correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, MerchantSpring one word, dot .io. So uh, you'll find everything you need to know about Merchant Spring and also how to get in contact with us uh, via our
0: website. So,
1: uh, yeah, go and check it out.
0: Absolute pleasure. Well, thank you very much for your time, Paul. That was was really educational, and I think a lot of people will benefit from this once, whether they're looking at it now or whether they go, oh, we should be looking into this because it's definitely, like you said, an incremental way of growing sales.
1: Great. Pleasure to... uh, to be on the show, Ben. Thank you.